0: Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God.
1: Well, we are so blessed today uh, to have Rick Green with us. Rick and I have been friends for probably 20 years. uh, And here about three, four months ago, we were in Dallas together speaking in a three-day conference together. And I was listening to him and it just, It went all over me as he was up there sharing, uh, he's got the answer for America. He has the answer for the direction of America. It's going to have to come through the church, but he was spelling it out of what we need to do. And I knew right then our church needs to get involved financially supporting what he's doing. We got to get involved with these biblical citizenship classes here in our church. Our church got to roll up our sleeves and get a part of the direction he uh, is going. And we're, I'm just excited about uh, what he's doing. I'm excited about the direction that he's going, and I'm thrilled to have him here. We are, uh, we're really blessed out here in the middle of nowhere on this pea gravel road this guy speaks in person to over 100,000 people every year. And then each day, five days a week, he speaks to several million people on nationwide radio. Uh, the, the, the listenership that, that pro, his programs have is, is just amazing. And so he, he speaks to millions every single day. And here he is in Hot Springs, Arkansas in our church. Y'all help me make welcome Rick Green. Rick, come share with us. man love you man hey uh you were having trouble with that clicker wall ago and natalie just told me before david barton comes we're gonna buy a new clicker so.
0: <laughs> yeah good good because i go slow. Our, i go slow compared to him yeah we so, yeah. got our priority
1: you can deal with this old one well, but when we get a good speaker it'll be good yeah when you when get, get a yeah. Good speaker, yeah the budget will be better for him for i'm
0: sure good morning man i love i love being with you guys this is uh this church has blessed my family tremendously I am so thankful for, for the not just the ministry you do here with the young people and, and, and your community, but you have no idea the seeds that have been planted all across this nation because of what you guys are doing. I am surprised, though, that, that an Arkansas pastor would let a Texas politician have his pulpit for the morning. It's kind of weird. Now, I am a recovering politician. Well, I go to a Tuesday night meeting every week. It's a, hi, I'm Rick. You know, I'm, I'm now six years clean off the ballot, just so you know, uh, uh, but we do tend to think of politicians. And, you know, we don't want politicians. What we want are godly patriots. That's what we want. the The difference is a politician's only thinking about the next election. A patriot is thinking about the next generation, and bringing godly principles back in. So we need more of those, for sure. Um. But usually, uh, you, you know, usually uh, you would be a little bit uh, averse to a, to a Texan coming in anyway because you guys know we Texans are just obnoxious. You got to understand, though, there's a reason we're obnoxious. When you're raised in the great state of Texas, you're usually about 15 before you find out there's some other states out there. And and, and we tend to think there's only two kinds of people, Texans, and those who want to be Texans. You know, now that's... That is, that is an obnoxious way of, of looking at things. And God will humble you when you get to be too obnoxious. And I hadn't been in office when I got elected to the legislature all those years ago. Hadn't been in office a couple of weeks. I was actually setting up my, my office and, and being full of pride. You know, I was only like 26 years old. I didn't want anybody to know. I really had no clue what I was doing. And so I'm setting things up and I hear this guy come in. So I got You know, I'm thinking, man, I got to look busy and important. I don't want him to know I'm doing all this. So I, so, so I grabbed the phone off my desk real quick. And I said, no, no, I can't see you Thursday. I'm booked. Can't see you two weeks from Thursday. I mean, next week either, but I'll see you two weeks from Thursday right here in my office, 10 o'clock. Yeah, I'll see you then. Put the phone down. This guy has just come right on through the office, didn't wait for me. comes right on through the office, standing right in front of my desk. So I said, Yes, sir, can I help you? He said, No, I'm just here to hook up that there phone for you, son. Um, so when you need to be humbled, God will take care of it. That's all I'm saying, okay? So I, 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 I hopefully that part has been humbled a little bit. Now, I will tell you right now, my, my American pride, though, is a different story. Uh, I believe in American exceptionalism. And and when people, you know, get a little tick when you say that because that's a trigger word for them. They say, "Oh, you're just bragging." I remind them, "My mama said if it's true, it ain't bragging." And America is the exception to the rule. There is something special about what God did here in America. It's extraordinary. It's it's beyond ordinary. It's not normal. That's why we call it the exception to the rule, exceptionalism. So that's not bragging because that's true. Uh, my, my Texas attitude might, might include a little bit of bragging because not, not all of that is, is true. But this morning, I want to uh, hopefully, as, as Americans, talk about how to restore that exceptionalism, how to get us back to a nation that once again doesn't just ask for God to bless us, but is a nation that blesses God in the way that we live, in the way that our communities act, in the way that our leaders uh, represent themselves and, and our nation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about biblical citizenship. How do you do this in a godly way? How do you live out your citizenship in a Godly way. And, and, and maybe most importantly, how do you pass it to the next generation? How do you teach the next generation to do exactly that? So if you would open up to, to Psalm 78, we're going to read through these first few verses because it's a great example. There's nothing new under the sun. So when you look at all the evil that's going across America right now, when you look at the, the, the bad results that we're getting economically, politically, I mean, the culture is crumbling. There's no question about it. And when you see all of that happening, we don't have to despair. We have to just stop for a second and say, why? Why are the outputs in the American culture so bad right now because there's a cause for every effect. There's a reason that things happen. God's set up a system, the laws of nature and nature's God. And, and, and he tells us in Deuteronomy, you got a choice. You can have blessings or curses. It's up to you, but you choose how to live your life and whether or not you follow my instruction is going to determine what the, the outputs are going to be. And so the same thing has happened throughout history and certainly happened with the children of Israel over and over again. So let's look at Psalm 78 together. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll tell you and I'll let you in on the sweet old truth. Stories we heard from our fathers, counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. Here's the important part. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. He planted a witness in Jacob, set his word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all the generations to come. We used to have a providential view of history in America. We used to teach each generation, here's what God was doing here, here's what he did here. Look at what happened when we followed his instruction. We got good things. When we ignored his instruction, we got We used to do that. We used to teach each generation so that they would know and that they could live out those things. We failed at that. Over the last 50 years in America, we stopped teaching that providential view of history. And we want to teach it because we want them to know the truth. We want to tell the story so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. Heaven forbid they should be like their parents, bullheaded and bad, a fickle and faithless bunch who never stayed true to God. The Ephraimites, armed to the teeth, ran off when the battle began. All right, I got to pause there. Think about it. The Ephraimites had everything they needed to win, and yet they cowered. They refused to get in the fight. We, the church in America, have everything we need to influence the culture, to be salt and light, to get the good results by putting the good inputs in. But for too long, the church has receded and not been that impact into the culture. That's exactly what they did. They were cowards to God's covenant, refused to walk by his word. They forgot what he had done, marvels he had done right before their eyes. He performed miracles in plain sight of their parents in Egypt, out on the fields of Zoan. He split the sea and they walked right through it. He piled the waters to the right and the left. He led them by day with a cloud, led them all the night with a fiery torch. He split rocks in the wilderness, gave them all they could drink from underground springs. He made creeks flow out from sheer rock and water pour out like a river. All they did was sin even more, rebel in the desert against the high God. So even with all of that truth right there in front of them, even with seeing God's hand, they refused to follow. America experienced providential intervention in the Revolutionary War. The founders talked about it over and over again, how God would come in at exactly the right time, the wind would blow at the right time, or the clouds would come in at the right time, or whatever would happen in order for God to be on the side of the Americans, for us to be able to take on the greatest military on the planet and actually win. And so we used to teach that so that our children would understand we want to be on, on God's side. So it goes on to say where, uh, uh, what I said earlier about passing it along to the next generation. That's what I want to talk to you about. How do we take the things that the previous generations experienced and got good outputs how do we restore that in our nation because we've ignored it for too long? I think there's a great parable uh, Nat if you want to skip to that that uh, slide of the um, uh, parable out of Matthew, the parable of the talents I think fits for us not just in terms of money. we always think of that as, ju- as just money. I believe it's whatever God's um, trusted us with. And so in, in in our case as Americans we've been trusted with a system of government where we get to choose what our nation's going to look like. So we don't live in a dictatorship. We don't live in a, a, at least it's not supposed to be, right? We we don't live in a nation where the elites control us. We're supposed to control them. That's why the Constitution starts with we the people. So ultimately, we're in charge. And so I I would argue that we are Caesar in America. So if you're going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's, we're Caesar. How do you do Caesar well? How How do you recognize that God's given us the gift of leadership, the gift of freedom, we have the ability to vote and choose our leaders. We have the ability to stand up and say yes or no to what's happening in the culture. And if you remember the parable that, that, that Jesus talked about, the three servants were given talents. The master went away, came back to the servants, had invested the talents, worked the talents, risked the talents, gone out and done the hard work and multiplied the talents. But the one buried the talent, did not engage, was afraid to go out and multiply that talent and became uh, called by the master, the wicked and slothful servant. I think that's our choice today. We've been given freedom. We've been given a system that we get to influence, ultimately direct which which way our country is going to go. And if we refuse to do that, if we stay at home, or we just complain, or we whine, or we say it's too big, or there's too many, or we can't do it, we're the wicked and slothful servant. We've got to get away from that mentality. Noah Webster was one of the guys in the founding era that he was basically known as the great educator. Of America, And he basically told us the formula. If you're getting bad stuff in the culture, here's why. He said, all the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, slavery, and war, oppression, slavery, and war, proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. It's a real simple concept, right? I mean, it's, it's very simple. If, if, if you're despising, neglecting, if you're not taking God's word, the truth of God's word, and, and being saturated in it ourselves so that we then influence the culture with it, then you're going to get ambition, crime, slavery, war, all the things that you don't want. And that's why I can just tell you right now, if you don't remember anything else I said this morning, you want to save America, you want to save freedom, you want to pass freedom to your children and grandchildren, the number one thing you can do is be saturated in God's word. Know truth so that when the lie is presented, you'll know it's the lie. You'll recognize it as the lie, and you'll know how to stand against it. You'll know how to properly stand up against that evil in the culture. But the only way that happens is if you're saturated in truth. I saw a Barna study the other day that said that only 9% of Christians are in God's word on a regular basis. 9% leaves 91%. 91% that don't, don't know truth. So, so when something happens in the culture, we don't know how to respond to that. They're carving up children right now. And the church is tr- fumbling all over itself trying to figure out, are we allowed to speak out against this? Are we allowed to actually say that there's male and Female, is that loving? I mean, we've redefined love I mean, we're just going to condone whatever anybody does and actually celebrate it with them, participate with them. That's not love, that's hate. You're actually hating them and loving yourself if you're not willing to say what you're doing is going to hurt. You're destroying your life. You're destroying uh, the, the, the people in, in your family. We've got to be willing to come back to the biblical definitions of love, the biblical definitions of, of how a society should work, how a culture should work, all of those things. And that's essentially what Webster's saying. He's just warning us. Look, if you neglect or despise the precepts contained in the Bible, you're going to get all the bad stuff. Now, I used to look at that. I'll be honest with you. I used to look at that quote and say, see, it's the, it's the, it's the atheist. It's, it's the left. It's their fault. They're the reason we're in this mess we're in. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, wait a minute. Maybe they despise the word of God. But who, gets to, who, who actually neglects something? Somebody that knows it's there, right? Somebody that's already familiar with it. Who's neglecting the word of God? Us. Us. So if we're not saturated in God's Word, then we're not going to know how to respond. We're not going to have that courage. We're not going to be able to to speak that truth in love and be able to influence wisely the people around us. So we have to be saturated as as well. Uh, we, we you know as as proud Texans, we we have all pickup trucks in our in our family, and uh, we got a new pickup truck a couple of years ago. We're, we're driving off the lot now. This is of course uh, my wife's truck, so I, I like to claim it as mine. But it's a beautiful Dodge Ram 1500, maroon pickup truck and we're we're driving off a lot she's driving I'm the six-year-old pushing all the buttons and opening all the compartments and you know rolling the windows up and down and all that good stuff and I happened to find in the glove box this 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 book it said instruction manual and I realized that the instruction manual was written by the creator of the truck so the manufacturer of the truck gave us this instruction manual so that we could get the most out of the truck get the truck to run the longest perform the best actually enjoy the truck to the, to the best of, of its ability uh, given to us uh, by the creator. Now, me being a very um, you know, proud American and independent American, I roll the window down, threw the manual out the window. I said, ain't nobody going to tell me how to take care of my truck. It's my truck. I'm going to do what I want with my truck. We pull into the gas station. Kara's about to pull up to the gas pump. I said, no, no, no pull over there to that diesel pump. I know we bought a gas truck, but today I feel like a diesel. Now, how far you think we're getting out of that driveway before that beautiful Dodge Ram pickup turns into a Chevy and breaks down? It's not going to take long. I promise. So you get my point, right? Especially all you Chevy people out there. Now that your feelings are hurt, uh, which guess what? I don't care about your feelings. All right. So if your feelings are hurt on that one, just just stick around. It's going to get a whole lot worse. The point is God gave us the best instruction manual. He gave us the, the, the instruction for life. And, and the Bible tells us how our brain works, how our body works, how our relationships work, how community ought to work, how our elected leaders should look and act. It tells us all of that. The answers are there if we'll go to the answer book and be saturated. in it. So I'm going to ask you to join me in reading through the Bible every year. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to get saturated in God's Word. Whatever way you want to do it, we, we do the Founders Bible. I think it's the most important thing David Barton ever did. Uh, It literally gives you the chance to read God's word and then read about somebody actually applying that particular scripture. It might be Washington at the Battle of Monongahela when he's 23. It might be Phyllis Wheatley as a former slave. And uh, whatever the story is, I just love being able to read God's word, then see an application of it. Then it gets my mind thinking about, okay, now how do I apply that? in today's culture. So please consider reading through the entire Bible every year, just like the founding fathers did. Get steeped in that. Uh, we post every day what the daily reading is. And you can download our PDF for free and all that with the, with the reading plan. Uh, but get you a founder's Bible and get busy going, going through that thing so that you can influence the culture in, in a good way. Number one thing that you can do. These guys did it. There's John Adams. He said the general principles upon which the founders achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. So again, we're back to this simple idea. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. What's the good stuff? The principles of Christianity. When Christianity permeates the culture, everybody benefits. Whenever we recede, then values not reflected by those truths take over the culture. And and America was built on this idea of we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody says they want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But but there's a couple of bookends you've got to be aware of out of the Declaration. Before you get to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it's we hold these truths. You must build the culture on a foundation of truth if you want to get the output of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then, after that, if you want to keep life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which we clearly got in America, I mean, you know, even if you were unfortunate enough to, to have gone to a, a communist indoctrination camp known as a public school, if if you happen to do that, or, or maybe you were unfortunate enough to go to a you know public university or college. God forbid you went to postgraduate school. But anyway, if you, if you happen to go through all of that, um, uh, you know, indoctrination, then, then, then you were probably taught America's evil and America's wrong and America's bad and all that kind of stuff. So let, let me just dispel all of that for you and, 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 and make it very clear that Christianity influenced the culture, did give a good output. And all you got to do is take the test. The test is this. If America is worth defending, protecting and passing on to our kids, ask yourself this question. Are people trying to get in? are they trying to get out if you want to know whether or not this is worth giving to your children passing up that's all you got that's the great test we have more immigrants in america than anywhere else in the world in fact we have more immigrants in america than the second third fourth and fifth nations combined why are they coming here why do they want to be a part of this it's called the american dream nobody in this room's ever heard of the north korean dream right no nobody is pining for the cuban dream Right, You know America's formula, even with our culture crumbling all around us, it's still the greatest nation in the world. It's still the place that people want to come. Why? Because of Christian principles. Now, when I say that, somebody's going to say, well, you're a Christian nationalist, you're a dominionist, you're a, I don't know what new term they're going to come up with. I, I'm pretty involved in the movement. I know a lot of people in the movement. I don't know a single person. I, I literally have not one person that I've ever conversed with that wants a theocracy, That that wants what they think that they're saying, when they say Christian nationalists or whatever term they come up with, what they're really trying to do is intimidate you and keep you from influencing the culture with Christian principles because somehow they've said that that equates to being a theocracy. The truth is that when Christian principles permeate the culture, the atheist benefits. The Muslim benefits. The Buddhist benefits. Every human being in the nation benefits. Because even the founding fathers that weren't Christians, there's only about 10 of them, out of 250, but that handful of guys that they weren't atheist, agnostics, or deists, but they didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. So, so even the ones that weren't Christians, they loved Christianity. They loved the Christian religion because they said it makes for good citizens. Because guess what? You know, politics, all of politics comes down to this one thing. How do you treat your neighbor? Every political decision, every debate, what's going to be legal, what's not going to be legal, how to, all of it comes down to how are we going to treat each other in the culture? You know, there's a pretty good concept I heard somewhere once that, that, that says um, we should treat our neighbors the way we want to be treated. Anybody ever heard that before? That's a Christian principle, right? Christianity influencing the culture will give you biblical justice instead of social justice. And you want to know the difference? Biblical justice says neither Jew nor Greek, neither rich nor poor, it doesn't matter in court. We're going to treat everybody the same, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your political affiliation, your religious affiliation, what side of the tracks, come all that doesn't matter. Social justice says there's nothing more important than the color of your skin, than your sex organs, than, your, than your, which, which political party you belong to. So if you want to get back to the principles that made America great, like blind justice, equal justice, that is biblical justice. So without biblical influence, we devolve into the law of the tiger and the shark, and we start protecting our own. And we see somebody as a threat, we're going to use the system to shut them down. That's what's happening in America right now. Why do you think they're you know, doing everything they can to silence the opposition? Because they don't believe in biblical justice, they believe in social justice. So Christianity gives us biblical justice. Christianity gives us uh, the freedom of speech and the ability to have civil discourse, all the things that we love. And we've so shied away from from the the very source that actually produces those things. Everybody says they want life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but but they need to understand what the truths are that that, that produce life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then to hold on to it, which that kind of got off track, that's where I was going with that, the fact that we did end up becoming the greatest nation in the history of the world, the most powerful, the most free, the, most, uh, the, the wealthiest, the most benevolent nation in the history of the world. That's true. We became exceptional. But the only way to hold on to it is the next sentence in the Declaration. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Consent of the governed is us being good citizens. Consent to the governed is us standing up and saying, no, I refuse my consent. You will not teach the children in our community that their sexuality is fluid and that they can carve themselves up at 13, 14, 15, 18 years old, 20, I don't care what they You, you will not do that. No! We do not give our consent to that anymore. Now, now, unfortunately, because the church was unwilling nationally to, to speak to that, now the best people to speak out to that are the people that were hurt by it, the detransitioners that are now testifying in Congress and testifying around the country, saying, I cannot believe adults did this to me. Let me go down this path. I mean, i got a six-year-old grandson. If he decides he's a pirate tomorrow, we're not going to chop off his leg and lose an eye. All right? We're not going to indulge in the fantasies of a child or the boy that now they're hurt for the rest of their life, and that's what we've done in America. That's the game that we're playing because Christians were too scared to say anything was wrong. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be nice. Where in the Bible does it say to be nice? It says to be kind and, and and to love, but love is is speaking truth. Hate is lying. you know Thomas Saul always says you people that that that, that really want to. You know, want to know the truth? People that when you really love someone, you tell them the truth. When you love yourself, you tell people what they want to hear, because you want them to like you, right? And that's what the church did for too long. And so it, it's time for us to bring back that Christianity that the nation was built upon. And it's so important for the whole culture. This guy here is Benjamin Rush. He's um, He's one of the three guys that John Adams actually said was most important to the founding of America. He's not a founder we we think about a lot today. He's actually David Martin's favorite founder. He's got a whole book on on Benjamin Rush, but he signed the declaration. He, He actually dealt with pandemics and things like that. Amazing guy, a medical doctor. But here's what he said about Christianity influencing the culture. Christianity is the only true and perfect religion. And in proportion, as mankind adopts its principles and obeys its precepts, they will be wise and happy. The gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the wisest rules for just conduct in every situation of life. Happy they are who are enabled to obey them in all situations. The Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. By renouncing the Bible, philosophers swing from their moorings upon all moral subjects. Now think about it, we renounce the Bible and now we don't even know the difference between a man and a woman. I mean, we're literally unmoored from from, from any concept of, of, of truth, even basic biology. It is the only correct map of the human heart that ever has been published. The only means of establishing and perpetuating our Republican forms of government. So establishing, building it on truth, getting life, liberty, and then perpetuating it, passing it on generation after generation. He said the only way to do that, uh, our Republican form of government is, oh, by the way, another, another rabbit hole here. So notice he said Republican form of government. So when someone tells you you're a threat to democracy, you should say, absolutely. We are not a democracy. The Founding Fathers called democracy mobocracy. They said it was one of the greatest of evils, that it leads to violence. We're not a democracy. We're not only even a republic, we're a constitutional republic. We don't just elect people and say, hey, go do the best you can in Little Rock or go do the best you can in Washington, D.C. We trust you. We elect people in our constitutional republic and say, hey, go do the best you can within these boundaries that we're giving you in the written constitution. That's why our system works so well. That's why it produced... Such a great result because we limited government to those jurisdictions, and we've got to get back to understanding those things. Anyway, he said, the only way you're going to pass this on, perpetuate our Republican forms of government, is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books because it contains the greatest portion of that kind of knowledge, which is calculated to produce private and public happiness. The great enemy of the salvation of man never invented a more effective means of removing Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind it was an improper to read the Bible at schools. The Bible when not read in schools is seldom read in any subsequent period of life. So we allowed that to happen. We bought that lie. 62 was the Ingle v. Vitell case that said no more prayer in school. 63 was Abdu v. Shemp, Mervy, Collette, no more Bible in schools. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of all these crazy court decisions literally removing the very instruction manual that produces a good society removing it from the culture and not teaching it to the kids and we're obviously living with the result of that now piece of good news this coach kennedy case from last year absolutely flipped that on its head we have restored religious liberty in this country and over the next few years we're going to be challenging every one of those bad decisions that happened over the last 50 years we've got more religious liberty right now than we've ever had in our lifetime and it's because people in the church started standing up. They started funding the legal efforts to go fight these things. They started, they started funding things like the Delaware Family Policy Council and other groups like that across the country that could be on the front lines fighting for the very things that, that we're standing for. If, if, you, if we didn't have a Kelly Shackelford and First Liberty out there taking these cases up to the Supreme Court, we wouldn't have that victory and now be able to restore these things. Again, that's us, the church. Simply standing up and saying, I refuse to give my consent to that or I give my consent to this. Just simply being good citizens. So we got to know these things. Um, When you take the biblical citizenship class that Tim was talking about, we'll break this stuff down for you. Bottom line is you need to know that your founding documents were based upon biblical precepts, biblical ideas. Even our Republican form of government in choosing out from among you leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands. That's local, county, state Uh, Federal government that comes right out of Exodus. Uh, The whole idea of separation of powers, the idea that we would have checks and balances, not just give someone so much power that they become corrupt. That that that's Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is evil. No man can know what I mean. All this stuff goes back to the Bible, and the founders talked a lot about that. But just generally speaking, for the culture, this guy James McHenry was one of the framers of the Constitution and started a Bible Society out in Maryland. Uh, I know when you think of Baltimore right now, you think Bible believing people following. Probably not, but um, we, we, we need to reinstitute uh, the, this Bible Society in Maryland. Anyway, um, the, the, the whole idea behind why he wanted Bibles to be permeating the culture, the reason he started the Maryland Bible Society, he explained it. He talked about the influence it would have in the community. He said, Bibles are great preserve... Oh, go ahead, uh, Nat. There we go. Bibles are strong protections. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses and at the same time enjoy quiet conscience. In other words, when the Bible's there, truth is being spoken about right and wrong, and so when we commit sin, when we do things that are wrong, we don't get to enjoy that in quiet conscience because the culture is saying, hey, that's right or wrong. Hey, I'm warning you about this. Don't do that. It's going to hurt you. It's gonna... When we're doing that in the culture, we have less of that evil. It's not that you get rid of us, it. not that man's going to be perfect, but when you don't have Bibles out there and you're not permeating the culture with these ideas of right and wrong, your conscience ends up getting seared. You never, you never actually have that truth coming at you and, and being able to get that conviction that you need. Public utility. So not just in your private life, Public utility pleads most forcibly for the general distribution of the Holy Scriptures. Without the Bible in vain, do we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments around our institutions. In other words, we can pass all the laws in the world saying something's right or wrong, but if we don't have Bibles in the culture, it's not going to mean anything. It's just words on paper. This is the real influence, not just privately but publicly, that gives us a good culture and a good society. So think about where we started in America. We had a nation that was founded on biblical principles. We saw the result on the other side of the equation as that was poured into the culture, free enterprise. You go to—I mean, every every biblical position on everything you can think of, from taxes, minimum wage, how you tr- what should be legal and, and illegal, crime, punishment, all those things. We followed a biblical perspective on all that. We got an amazing result, became the envy of the world, exported freedom to the world, and then we did Romans one. So in Romans one, it said, "Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God." Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We started rejecting God, even though we had known him as a nation, we started pushing him out. We started saying, we don't want godly principles in our schools. We don't want uh, biblical ideas about all of these things. We know better. Our philosophy knows better, and, and we literally professed ourselves to be wise, and we became fools. I, I love that verse, by the way, because we saw such an example of that over the last three years with the Center for Demented Confusion the uh better known as the cdc and and they uh they they decided that they knew better than anybody else and of course pope fauci led the covid cult and they you know convinced everybody that you know they were gonna the whole world was gonna die if you didn't follow all all of their commands and 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 because we didn't know our history and we didn't pay attention and we didn't know the constitution we didn't know the right way to respond america just kind of bowed to all that kind of stuff which by the way if you go back to spanish flu in 1918 25 times more deadly than covid not twice as bad, not 10 times as bad, 25 times. And the kids were dying from Spanish flu, unlike, unlike COVID. I mean, they'd get in the morning, they were dead by midnight. It was really, really bad. And yet the federal government did nothing. Nothing, didn't spend a penny. I, I, I don't know how the world survived without the little stickers that say, stay six feet apart. I mean, how, how, how did we, humanity, make it without the federal government spending $10 trillion paying healthy people to stay home? I, I don't know. But anyway, somehow they made it because they understood jurisdictions. They fought it at the local level. They didn't do any of this nonsense that we did with, uh, with, with COVID. So, so what I did during COVID was I thought about this verse, and I decided to make my, my fake, uh, fake face diaper, and it, and it said, uh, Romans one twenty two professing fools, and then had a little picture of Fauci. That part's fake news. There was no Fauci. But I'd, still, the point was I'd walk through the airplane, you know, hoping people would go look up. Romans one twenty-two, professing themselves to be wise, we became full. Well, I mean, COVID was a perfect example of that. Man, we professed ourselves to be wise. You had all these supposed experts that it turns out almost everything they said was, was wrong and actually ended up hurting more than it helped. But again, it came from not knowing what works, not knowing truth. I would argue everything bad in the culture is the result of the petri dish where bad government grows, which is called civic and biblical ignorance. If we're civically ignorant, we don't know that history. If we're biblically ignorant, we don't know truth, then we fall for the lie. And the virus of bad government grows. And the virus of a a culture falling apart continues to grow. So we know there's nothing new, so we don't have to hear that and go, oh, Rick, that means it's all over. It's all over. Grab your guns and canned food. Go hide out at the ranch. Now, you should have the guns, the canned food, and the ranch, all right? But we're not going to be like those 10 spies that came back from the promise. Oh, it's too hard. The giants are too big. It's all over. Fortified cities. The Bible says that those 10 depressed the people an entire generation ended up dying in the wilderness because of their negative report. Let's be like the other two spies. Joshua and Caleb came back, saw the same thing, right? Same evidence. But they said, giants? Oh, man, they're huge. Amazing. Fortified cities? Oh, it's unbelievable. Nothing like anything we've ever seen. But God's given us the land. Let's go let's take the that's the attitude that we need to have i don't care what we're facing in the (laughs) culture tim and i were talking about this backstage as you think about the founding fathers and what they were taking on the greatest military on the planet outnumbered outgunned outfinanced everything and yet they said here my lord send me i'll go we gotta have that same attitude i don't care what you see with your human eyes out there in the world the remnant that god's raised I, i can testify to you right now you are not alone There are millions of Americans. I know you feel like it sometimes. You think you're Elijah. I'm the only one God. And he said, no, there's 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. I'm telling you right now, there are millions of Americans that are with us. They still love the Lord. They still love the Constitution. They still want freedom for their kids and grandkids. They still believe in free speech and civil discourse and all those things. They're out there. The remnant is there. And God's infusing some backbone into us right now. And he's waking us up and he's giving us just enough pain, I think, to, to finally realize, you know what? I can't sit on the side. I can't just be a spoiled leech on society enjoying the blessings of liberty that somebody else paid for in previous generations. I've got to step up and say, I'll do my part. I'll sacrifice whatever it takes to preserve this for my kids and, and grandkids. That's what we've, we've got to get to. So we've got to be willing to take the time to study, to know truth, to to know what these answers are, to saturate ourselves in God's word, and then find and build community where we can sharpen each other's countenance and then just go tend the garden. That's what it's really all about, tending the garden where God has placed us. So the last part of Romans that, that I think applies to us, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So he gave us over to a reprobate mind. So the culture has literally been given over because we kicked God out of the schools, this court right here, the Warren court said, I mentioned it earlier, Ingle v. Vitale, no, no more praying in schools, no more Bible in schools. I mean, you just go down the list the, 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 in, in 62, 63, and then you fast forward to uh, no no, pray, no, no uh, um, uh, pledge of allegiance with under God in the pledge. And then we said, you can't even have the Ten Commandments on the wall in a school. Now, now think about what the court was saying with this. They said, if you put the Ten Commandments on the wall, this is literally what the Supreme Court said, 1980, Stone v. Graham. If you put the Ten Commandments on the wall in a school, the kids might see them. If they see them, they might read them. And if they read them, they might study them. And if they study them, they might obey them. And that would violate the Establishment Clause. Professing themselves to be wise, we became fools. Let's see, we don't want them to not steal. We don't want them to not murder. We don't want them to honor their mother and father. I mean, just go down the list. I mean, how difficult is it? to understand how evil that is, to say we don't want any concept of right and wrong. We think we should teach the kids, the only thing that's wrong is to get caught. Everybody, You do you. You do your truth. I'll do my truth. There is no real truth. It's whatever you decide you believe, whatever you're feeling at the time. And, and, and there's no God, so there's no consequence. And then we're shocked that a student can walk into a classroom, take out a gun, murder a classmate. Paducah, Pearl, Jonesboro, Littleton, Santa Fe. I mean, we just, the list goes on and on and on and on. We created this mindset that there is no right and wrong, do whatever feels good, follow your emotions. And then, of course, the left wants to blame it all and goes, too many guns, it's the gun's fault. I mean, I could take out my six-hour, .45 caliber 1911, set it right down here, and we could all stand around it, hold hands, and chant the rest of the day. It will not jump up and shoot anybody. It's an inanimate object. It's not the gun. What's the problem? The heart of man. It's the depravity of man. So if you you leave men under their depravity and you don't have the word of God permeating the culture and being salt and light, you're going to get all of that evil that Noah Webster warned us about. It's not complicated. It's actually quite simple, but it also takes work. We have to be salt and light. We have to be willing to get the salt out of the shaker, go out into the community, and not only put the salt into the meat to preserve the meat, to keep it from dying and, and spoiling, what's really amazing is that when we put godly salt into the meat and into the culture... It brings out the best flavor, too. We get better results economically, politically, in our freedom, all those things, if we do it God's way, if we are salt and light. But that means the church has got to step up and do its job. This guy, Charles Finney, from the Second Great Awakening, he uh, he actually came to the Lord studying his law books, which is pretty interesting. I wish we had that much scripture in our law books today. Uh, but, but he said something about the church getting involved in, in politics. Now, don't be confused by the slide. That's not um, um, John Travolta from uh, Staying Alive. It's kind of the same moves. Now we know where John Travolta got his moves in the 70s. But uh, this was 100 years before that. Anyway, uh, Charles Finney put it this way. He said, the church, that's us, must take right ground in regard to politics. Wait, what church? And po- I thought we were supposed to you know, keep those apart. Church involved in po- what? politics is how you treat your neighbor. Is there anything in the Bible that has anything to say about that? So if if, if we're going to treat our neighbor the way we want to be treated, that's a biblical concept. That means the church is influencing how the neighborhood works, how the community works. And so that's what Finney basically said. He said politics, well, that's just part of a religion in a country such as this. What does he mean? In a constitutional republic where we the people are in charge, if everything in our life is submitted to the Lord, then politics is part of a religion in a country such as this. I ask pastors all the time, what part of your life is the Lord not Lord over? that's the only thing we should not be preaching on the only thing we should not be uh, studying and and sharpening each other with so politics is just part of a religion in a country such as this and the Bible has a lot to say about those things and and we should apply the Bible to that area and leave nothing off limits you would not ever leave I don't I don't think anybody in here has ever driven away from this church going man Pastor Tim he was on fire talking about how to be a good husband and a good father how to be a good mother good good wife I wish when we got home we could actually use that but there's separation of home and church Anybody in here ever driven away thinking that? No, have you ever driven away thinking that you can't apply it at at work because there's separation of work and and church? Why in the world do we say we can't use the Bible to inform us on how to vote on Tuesday or how how to run for office and influence? I mean, why would we take anything off the table? The Bible applies to everything. Don't have politics in the pulpit. Charles Finney is exactly right. Politics is just part of a religion in a country such as this and Christians must do their duty to their country as a part of their duty to God, God will bless or curse this nation, according to the course Christians take in politics. So the end result is going to be determined mostly by what the church does. Now, I know God's sovereign. I know, listen, we, we, he may, Jesus may come back tomorrow, You know, mess up I hope he does. I, I, it may be another thousand years, though. And I know God can intervene at any time. And I know that our nation deserves judgment, but we're praying for mercy, and we see where God's done that throughout history. So I don't know how he's going to respond to these things. All I know is what I'm supposed to do in obeying his commands. All I know is that the church is supposed to do our duty and then leave the results up to God. And the worst thing we can do is give up or step out or think that we're not supposed to have an influence anymore or buy into this idea of a secular spiritual split that somehow going into certain types of ministry is holy and going into business or or politics is evil. And he's like, no, it's all ministry. Every single role. There's young people over here that God's put a desire in their heart. To play music, go into the arts, or be an actor, go into the entertainment, or to be a journalist, or to be a, 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 a you know a, a leader in, in public service or, or in business or whatever it is. Whatever that desire is that God's put in your heart, we should be encouraging that as the church and saying the Bible says for you to go be the best that you can at that. To do Colossians 3.23, everything you do, the best that you can, as, as unto God, not unto men. And we need biblically trained biblical worldview people going into every every area of the culture which is why leaders academy is so important it's why what you guys are doing with high and everything your your church is doing i just i can't even describe to you the impact that it's having and that it's had on my family and and others all across the country because of that mentality that comes out of here and all it is again it's simple it's just the bible applies you you come through a program here we don't leave anything off the off the table Everything is has a biblical perspective. So take that Psalms 24:1 mentality. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Country boy interpretation of that means it's all his. Every bit of it. Hollywood belongs to God. Washington, D.C. belongs to God. We don't see God's principles in those arenas because we aren't taking them there. Right? If we take them there and we be salt and light, and we become salt and light in those areas, we'll see the, the results. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just like the founding fathers, again, nothing new under the sun. So same type of thing. Just as they faced what looked like an overwhelming... Or you may look at it in America and say, man, it's too late. There's too many. It's too big. They're too rotten. They're too corrupt. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever excuse you've got, all right? I'm telling you, no. The remnant is being raised up. God can still use this nation. The principles still work if we will instill them. But it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us making the decision that I'm going to give up some things over here. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's whatever. Uh, whatever. I'm going to get more involved in preserving the nation. I'm going to devote some time to being salt and light outside the four walls of the church, out there in the community. I'm going to take this and be an influence on what's going on. So let me leave you with some practical things. Number one, become a student of history, a student of freedom, a student of the Constitution. That begins with reading God's word, read through the Founders Bible every year, making sure that you're, you know, is, uh, again, saturated in God's word. But it also means studying the Constitution. So our biblical citizenship classes are all about combining those two things, basically saying, okay, what's the Bible say about how citizenship should work? Like, What what do I owe to my neighbors and my government, my community? What am I supposed to do there biblically? And then how do I do that in America? I'm in a constitutional republic. Here's the rules of my constitutional republic. How do I work within that system? So that's why we call it biblical citizenship. And when you go through that class, I can promise you this. It's an eight-week class. We've done this 7,000 times all over the country. We've had about a million people go through the classes. Uh, I can promise you from experience, I hear the testimonials every day. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to show up to that first class. Your jaw is going to be on the ground by the time Kirk Cameron gets done explaining the monument and the secret sauce that made America great in the first place. You're going to look around the room and you're going to go, whoa, I'm not alone. There's other people that care. I I cannot believe, here's the answers, there's solutions, there's biblical answers to everything, and then you're going to leave going, there's something I can do about it. You're going to come back the next week, and Tim Barton's going to blow your mind with his response to the 1619 Project, and and David Barton's going to blow your mind with the role of the church and tending the garden and how that works, and then we're going to take you to Independence Hall, and we're going to teach you the Constitution right there in the room where it happened. I I can honestly tell you this, these, these are the only Constitution classes you will ever take in which you will not sleep. I don't know. Did, did anybody else bored to death in their history and government classes in high school and college? I slept through all that stuff because it was boring. And then I found David Barton. Thank you, Lord, for David Barton. He brought it to life. And that's what this class will do. And so by the end of that eight weeks, and here's, the videos are great. Trust me, there's good, good stuff in there. You'll, you'll, you'll be blown away. But the magic happens when the video's over. And you look around the room and you start talking. And you start sharpening each other's countenance. You start iron sharpening. You start talking about how do we apply. Hey, you know there's a school board thing going on over here. Hey, so-and-so is running for, for uh, state senator, state rep. Or, or we could get involved over here. Or what are we doing to help the homeless over here? What are we doing? To, it'll cause you to start thinking, how do I apply this? in my neighborhood, in my community. I promise you it's going to happen. So get into one of our biblical citizenship classes. We're going to have several of them going here uh, at the church. I think Monday nights and Saturday mornings, what everybody's been talking about. So watch next week. They'll probably have sheets out there for you to sign up, or two weeks from now, we'll get all that figured out and, and, and get emails to you. But get in that class, I can promise you. Uh, and, and and I will refund your money 10 times if you don't like the class. And the class is free, so... Um, <laughs> Don't expect a check if you didn't like it. Anyway, uh, so, so make sure you take, the, I, I, I can promise you, you'll, you'll get a good result. Here's what's going to happen when you do the Constitution part of this. This guy, John Jay, he was first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He uh, did the Federalist Papers with, with, uh, with, with, with um, um, James Madison and Alexander Hamilton and, and kind of made the, the sales pitch to, to New York on why the Constitution should be ratified. So anyway, he did all this stuff, and then he said, every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the Constitution, meaning all of us. Not just the teachers and preachers, not just the, the, the people in elected office. Every citizen should be reading and study of the Constitution. Why? To teach the rising generation to be free. By knowing their rights, they'll sooner perceive when they're violated and be the better prepared to defend and assert them. So, so if we know our rights, we'll say, whoa, whoa, I don't give my consent to that. If we don't know our rights, we'll say, yes, we'll bow to you, Pope Fauci. We'll stay home. We won't do it, Right if we know our rights and we know how to properly stand up against them, we can prevent that tyranny from happening. So that's what we're going to do in that class. I hope that you'll join the class. I know you'll enjoy it if you do that. Again, it's eight weeks. Um, we're doing this all over the country, by the way, just to give you a little idea of this, to give you some hope. I mean, we do this in churches, in, in, in uh, living rooms, in, in uh, no kidding, bait and tackle shops, Harley Davidson dealerships, bars. We got one going at one guy told me the other day in his funeral parlor. They're doing a constitution class in a funeral parlor. I thought that was weird, and then I thought about it. Well, the Democrats are voting dead people. Why? Why why not? Maybe it'd be good. Um, But anyway, so so. And then take a look at this next slide. This is just that's just ten percent of our coaches across the country. That's just one out of ten. All right there it's happening folks there's good stuff happening all over the nation be a part of it again we do it uh, at Independence Hall so you'll enjoy it and then come visit us in Fredericksburg we've got a campus we're building there you can come study in in Independence Hall you can do a handgun defense class with us you get to be a legislator for a couple of days go through one of our leadership congresses you know it'll make you a better citizen I promise I hope you'll join us in that and and support us as we do the campus and then and then come see us so that's that's your life so you're going to be a student of freedom you're going to spend time in a class. You're going to sharpen your countenance with other people. You're going to build that community and go out there and, and tend the garden. Now, when you're voting, which it's election year, so you've got a primary coming up here, on a, I guess, in a month and a half here, um, and then you've got general election in November. Do not stay home and say, well, I'm not voting because I will not vote for the lesser of two evils. Unless Jesus Christ is on the ballot, you're going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Okay. <laughs> If Tim Brooks and I run against each other, you're going to have to vote for the lesser of two evils cuz we're both flawed jars of clay. No matter who's in the race, you got to do the best you can with what you get. So what you ask yourself is not who's Republican or Democrat, not you ask yourself who is most biblical. Who who's going to whose positions line up with the Bible? And, and again, nobody's perfect. We might have differences on but who's mostly there? You do the best you can with what you got, where you are. Make sure you go vote. And if, if you don't like the choices, then, then, then recruit some candidates for next time. Get in the kitchen and be part of preparing what everybody else is going to come and join. You know, people show up at the election in November and like, there's no good candidates. Well, where were you in the primary choosing who was going to be on the ballot in November for everybody else? Well, there was nobody good in the primary. Where were you the year before drafting someone out of your own church to go run for that particular office, Right. I mean, I show up at parties all the time that, you know, the only cookies they have out there are those cookies with raisins in them. Like, what idiot put raisins in cookies? That's that's disgusting. You should never put raisins in cookies. But if but if I don't like the option, I need to get there early, go into the kitchen and make some gooey, chewy chocolate chip cookies. And then everybody will have a good option to, to rece- it's the same way in elections get in the kitchen that means get involved early you need to be thinking right now not just about 2024 what's going to happen in 2026 what's gonna happen in 2028 what are you doing to raise up leaders to go run for those offices all over the country okay noah webster we started with him so we ought to end with him he said when you become entitled to exercise the right of voting for public officers let it be impressed on your mind that god commands you to choose for your rulers just men who will rule in the fear of god the preservation of our government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty if the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made not for the public good, so much as for selfish or local purposes. Corrupter and competent men will be appointed to execute the laws. The public revenues will be squandered on unworthy men with laptops you do not want to look at. I might have added that part. Uh, And the rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded. If our government fails to secure public prosperity and happiness, it must be because the citizens neglect the divine commands and elect bad men to make and administer the laws. I mean, it's like a prophecy, isn't it? I mean, we're living that out right now because half of Christians are registered to vote and half of them actually show up to vote. What happens if we all show up? It's game over, folks. If we actually show up and vote biblical values We can turn this nation back in very short order. It won't take that long. It can be done in one generation, but we have to be engaged. Okay, I know I'm out of time, and I'm standing between you and lunch. I'm circling. It doesn't mean I'm landing, but it means I could land at any time, so be ready, okay? Uh, a couple more quotes, I think. No, 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 a couple more things. Okay, so your life, your time, get to class, make sure you're studying, and then spread the word. Be a force multiplier. Uh, we got a great radio program with David Tim Barton that, that Tim was talking about every day. We're talking about this stuff, applying it. It's a very positive approach. It will encourage you and equip you, and it'll give you what you need to go out there and influence the culture. Actively pass the torch by becoming a part of Patriot Academy, send your young people to one of our leadership congresses around the country and uh, give them a chance to be a leader, uh, be in that state capitol, passing bills and doing that sort of thing and learning how to do that. Well, I do not have a table outside, but if you go to our website, patriotacademy.com, you can get the books, the classes, and uh, you can sign up to come to some of our programs. All that information is there, patriotacademy.com. That's your life, okay? Your fortune is next. Yes, I'm going to get in your kitchen right now. I'm going to ask you, like I said, well, go start sacrificing, give up a hobby, sell a rental property, whatever you got to do to get the resources together to invest in freedom, to invest in your church. Folks, if you don't want government to grow, you need to have your church grow even more. If the church is meeting the needs of the community, it's twice as effective as government ever trying to do those things. The data backs that up. If your church is able to, that means give more to your church. I'm asking you to give more to your church can create ministries that are going to meet those needs in the community, and government will finally be able to shrink. So donate more to candidates. Find those candidates in your community. It takes money to pay for those signs and all the things that it takes to run for office. Put fuel in the tank for those folks. Donate to Patriot Academy. Donate to, to whatever cause it is that God's put a passion in your heart for. Start sacrificing and investing. Lives, fortunes, sacred honor. The founders gave all of it. All of it. We're just asking you to give a little bit. Okay, so lives, fortunes, and the sacred honors just speaking truth. Being willing to stand up and say, no, I'm going to stand for truth. Or yes, that's what, where we need to go. Stand up and speak for truth and let the chips fall where they may. They're going to call you all kinds of names. Don't worry about it. You do what's right and let the chips fall where they may. Okay, I do have one more quote, and I will leave you with this one. This is Benjamin Rush at the, at the uh, um, Continental Congress when they were declaring independence. And as you can imagine, they're, here they are. They're basically signing up pledging their lives fortune sacred honor to go against the greatest military on the planet chances of winning are very low no other nation is helping so benjamin rush leans over to john adams and he says you think we can win i mean he said it in a little fancier way you see on the screen but he basically said can we win in this struggle against great britain i mean this is odds are against us john adams responded and it's amazing to me john Adams was a brilliant guy and he didn't give a military strategy He didn't give a dissertation on civil rights and all those things. He simply said, yes, if we fear God and repent of our sins. If we want to be a nation under God, we got to become individuals under God. If we want our nation to to come back to a place where we get good results, we have to submit ourselves. We have to surrender, learn what the inputs are, and then go out there and be willing to serve God in all these different ways. I'm, I'm asking you to first get saturated in God's word to build community within your church with these classes and other things that you're already doing here and then just tend the garden. Do the things that God's called you to do to take care of our culture and have that joy that no matter who's in the White House, no matter what the weather is, no matter what's going on in the elections, our joy is based on whose we are, not where we are or what's happening. So we can enter this fight, even if it takes multiple generations. We can be righteously angry at what the left is doing and the destruction and the evil that's taking place, but we can do it with joy world doesn't understand that, but you do. You understand that you can go into the fight with joy. I can't promise you whether or not we're going to save America. All I can tell you is that even if we're marching into 70 years of captivity, which, of course, is where they were going when Jeremiah says, you know, and Jeremiah, I know the plans I have. You guys all have the pillow. You all have the coffee mug. You're always always. Saying, oh, I know the plans he has for me, plans to They were going into 70 years of, of tyranny. So we may be going into that. We may have multiple generations. I don't think so, but we could. And even if we do. We're going to plant our gardens, marry our wives. Right, Colton? We're going to marry our wives. We're going to have our children. We're, we're, we're going to bless the nation where we've been planted, which is what he was told to do, right? So we're going to live this thing out because duty is ours, results are God's. But it begins with us submitting ourselves to God's will. Let's, bow, let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for an amazing, amazing nation. Thank you, Lord, for a church. That follows your word. Father, for a pastoral team that follows your word, that submits to your word, that preaches the truth, whether it's popular or not, that stands for righteousness. God, I thank you for the seeds that this church has been able to plant all over the nation and for the fruit that is already coming from that. God, I just pray you would bless this church financially, you would bless it with influence, you would bless it with with the right young people coming in to High Point and to Leaders Academy. Lord, that you would prepare them here in the time that they're here and then send them out all over the nation to bring your word back to our nation, that we would turn back to you, that we would once again be a nation under God because we're following your principles. We're back into your word. We're, we're saturating ourselves with those, truth, with those truths that, that, that you give us. And then, then, Lord, I ask you to give us the courage. We need the infusion of backbone right now in the church. I pray that you will wake up pastors all over this nation to no longer be timid, Father, that they will lead their congregations into this cultural battle, that we can do this peacefully, that in this window of opportunity that you've given us, that we can restore our nation peacefully. I beg you, Father, for mercy, not the judgment that we deserve. God, I just thank you for a, for a, for a church that, that has the joy of the Lord in the midst of the battle, for worship service where we can submit to you and and honor you and glorify you, where you can heal our wounds. I just thank you, Father, that there's still some pastors out there doing it right. And I just pray it catches on fire. Lord, give us us the patience we need. If this is gonna take a generation, then Lord, just keep us in the fight. Let us define victory as advancing truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for
1: Christian Ministries. God bless.